0: Hello and welcome to episode one hundred and twenty four of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RP and join me as always as a glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate?
1: I'm very good. Um the thing I like about our podcast is that we don't do retakes. Never. Never, Never ever. Yeah. It's always uh, just perfect the first time around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I don't think I can recall any time where I've completely botched the intro and we went, you know what, we should probably just do it again. I, it's just never happened. Yeah, I, I can't think of a situation like that ever. Because, yeah, and you know why, I mean, we're so intelligent with what we do. We don't need to do retakes. Yeah, I know there's brain. A, I know there's a term. They call it <laughs> brain heavy. <laughs> brain heavy. <laughs> I couldn't let that one slip by. We need to get that back in there again.
1: Yeah, brain heavy stuff.
0: okay well today's episode we're we're doing something similar to what we first initially planned to do with the podcast and that's talk about something from the history of the game and you know how it relates to what's going on now and have a general yak about it i guess
1: yeah and that's something that we um we we when we do the history episodes i think we do a pretty good job of that but it's what we intended the entire podcast to be funnily enough so, it'll be cool to, get to do this uh, leading into the season, too, because there's not much footy, footy news around right now. So, yeah, it's uh, time for a history lesson. Yeah. I mean,
0: some people have been asking for it. Um, so, sit back and strap yourself in. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so, we're going to look at the Earl Park Riot, which I suppose a lot of new newcomers to the game wouldn't have no idea about. Um And not just the the ride itself, but the erratic sort of suspensions that the game handed down to those involved in the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, And up until that point, there'd only been two real standout um, previous occasions where some rather erratic suspensions were handed down. And one was in 1917, which we've already done an episode on, about Dan Davies. Um, he was living in the Anadol region. Instead of playing for them, as was the rule at the time under the residential rule, he's played for Glebe. Anadol complained. He got banned for life. He then went back to his hometown of Newcastle and played up there. He thought by secret no one would know about it. The game found out about it, and then they
1: banned everyone in the Newcastle League pretty much uh, for life as well. Yeah, which was crazy. I mean, and and obviously... The uh, Newcastle's uh, people up there. I mean, they didn't take too kindly to that. That was episode 113. If you want to go and check that one out, that was a really good episode. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was it was over the top, and we talked about that in that episode. Yeah, they just went crazy, and it took them several years before they,
0: you know, brought peace to the whole code in Newcastle and and got everything unified again. Mm. Um, The other occasion was in 1923 when Duncan Thompson, who has long been regarded as one of the fairest and best players in the game, was oddly charged with kicking a player in the face. Mm -hmm. Um, Spectators and media all sided with Thompson saying that he didn't do anything, but despite never being involved in any unsportmanlike behaviour previously, the New South Wales Rugby League suspended him for the rest of the year. He appealed to the charge, and the New South Wales Rugby League shortened his suspension. However, Thompson didn't think he should have been suspended at all. And so he was very dissatisfied and insulted, left Sydney, moved to Toowoomba, and never played in
1: Sydney again. Wow. That's a really interesting one. Um, I guess they went on the referee, what the referee said he saw. He must have mistook him for a different player or something.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, he was being held from behind in a tackle, and the ball came down close to him. So he tried to kick the ball while being held off play. Mm-hmm. and I think a player tried to die for it at the same time and copped a straight boot to the face. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't intentional. It was just a, an accident. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty heavy suspension to someone who'd never been suspended or sent off or anything like that before in his career.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and as fate would have it, uh, North Sydney won their only two premierships with Duncan Thompson there, and he left, and obviously they never won again.
1: Um mm-hmm. The Duncan curse of Thompson Duncan up, Thompson then, yeah.
0: eh? Yeah. Went up to Toowoomba, and he
1: had great success there. And made them one of the greatest teams in the world. Wow, that's incredible. I kind yeah. of like some of these old school players that when when they were hard done by, they took a stance, and they took a proper stance. They weren't having it.
0: Yeah. And he was pretty quick about it. He was very insulted. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. Now... Those are two pretty serious suspensions that were handed down. Now we're going to look at the Earl Park right, and this one is where it kind of went the other way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So on August 11 in in the 1928 season, St. George were equal first, and they were in a game which is essentially a dead rubber because they were taking on the equal last Balmain. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be played at Earl Park, which was at Arncliffe. I don't know if the ground's still there anymore. I think it might be an industrial estate or something now. Yeah, let me have a look. But, um... Yeah, it was essentially a dead rubber. St. George were expected to win this game pretty comfortably. Um, They weren't really doing much that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So midway through the first half, the game was littered with spiteful clashes. Um, Mm -hmm. There were scuffles, lots of punching going on in scrums, um... A lot of blatant foul play and a lot of cheap shots. An elbow by St. George forward George Carstairs broke Bowman's Tony Russell's nose midway through the first half. The referee, Mick Brannigan, did nothing. Wow. This is kind of a common thing back then, I guess. You you'd get a bit of rough play in a scrum. Mm-hmm. Referee, more often than not, would just let it slide. Yeah, yeah. Um in a scrum late in the first half, St. George's Arnold trainer fell out of a scrum with blood freely flowing from his nose, so he'd clearly been punched in the face. But, again, no idea who did it. Referee did nothing. Um, so, that's just setting the tone for what happened in the second half. So It's, yeah. it's already a heated battle. Mm-hmm. Um, during the second half, Tony Russell kicked George Carstairs in the face. While while Carstairs was picking himself up from from a tackle to play the ball. Wow. Pretty blatant what went on there. And that was a revenge, obviously, for the elbow that he copped early in the first half. Yeah. And on that occasion, the referee did nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A scuffle between two players saw Harry Flower from St. George intervene to help out his teammate. Surprisingly... After much serious incidents had led to cautions or no action at all, Harry Flower was sent off. Oh, wow. He found, he found his whistle, huh? He found his whistle. He found his spine. Um, but because because there'd been so much bad play going before this and mm. nothing had happened, Winston George finally had a play sent off, and this is on St George's home ground. Yeah. The crowd went from frustrated to furious.
1: And that, now, that doesn't
0: seem like Sir George fans, hey? <laughs> I think the, one of the great terms I remember at the time, um, whenever the, you get a crowd and they're jeering the referee, the, the writing at the time said that the referee was hooted.
1: No, hooted. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love it. those old terms, you know, yeah. the, just old things. that They, they go by the wayside, mostly because a lot of them are ter- terrible. But, yeah, he was getting hooted. He's being hooted. Um,
0: With five minutes remaining in the game, Russell again kicked George Carstairs in the head, this time knocking him out. This time off the ball, nowhere near the action. Uh, Charlie Headley, a former test player who'd become a touch judge, ran onto the field to inform the referee of the incident. And the referee did nothing. Oh, (laughs) jeez. The crowd were incensed. They were yeah. yelling out, we want Russell, well, you know, the bowman player. Um, as full-time sounded and into the atrocious play, finally, Balmain's George Taylor, uh, sorry, George Bishop, set after Arnold Trainer. St. George coach Frank Burge and the St. George secretary Reg Fusdale ran onto the field to assist the unconscious Carstairs who was lying on the ground still. The crowd had seen enough and they spilled out onto the ground Practically following Burge and Fusedale onto the field. Some spectators ripped off fence palings and made a beeline for Russell. There was even one spectator spotted outside the ground, allegedly with an axe.
1: <laughs> Do you reckon he took the axe with people? He just had an handy. Maybe he lived close to the ground. He's like, I'm I, going home, getting an axe.
0: I believe the way the story went was. <laughs> Yeah, he left the venue, went home and got the axe, and he was apprehended coming back to the venue. (laughs) Holy crap. An axe. Um, Bloody hell. Police at the scene used batons, handcuffs, and their own fists to rescue players, including Russell, and rushed him to the dressing room. He was then taken to an ambulance, suffering injuries to his face, back, ribs, arms, and legs. The story gets a bit more interesting, though, because he allegedly met a revived George Carstairs who'd, who had been clashing with all game in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And they started brawling in the ambulance. <laughs> and the ambulance driver had to intervene to separate them.
1: Have you got the quote there that was supposedly said? Uh, yeah, where was that?
0: Um. Oh, I've lost it now. Okay. <laughs> so, so oh, yeah, I, I, I do, I do. I'm, I'm getting Thank to that one, actually, yeah. Um, so, the the New South Wales Rugby League, after them this match, announced a full inquiry into how the riot happened, what mm-hmm. penalties needed to be delivered, and when they should be handed down. Mm-hmm. In the most confusing decision yet, the New South, New South Wales Rugby League blamed the fans for the riot and saw no reason to punish any of the players. Russell declared that he accidentally kicked Carstairs in the face with the side of his boot as he was trying to step over him, while George Carstairs, unfortunately and unsurprisingly, couldn't remember what happened because he was knocked out at the time. (laughs) And after the day of violence in writing, the most amazing words came from the seemingly oblivious referee, Mick Brannigan, who said, it was one of the cleanest games I ever refereed.
1: (laughs) What was he doing? Like, he was terrible he must've been looking the other way all day man it's just
0: nuts um just to give people a rough idea okay there's the the inquiry to this went on for a week or two after the game finished um the the rockdale council had a meeting a week after where they gave much praise to the police there who dealt with the situation mm-hmm. and This quote was made. This council records its appreciation of the good work of the police under Sergeant Johnson. Eyewitnesses are convinced that, but for the meritorious action of the small force, loss of life would have occurred. Wow. We also desire to bring under the notice of the proper authorities the remarkably short space of time that elapsed between the time citizens rang up for help and the arrival of Inspector Long with reinforcements.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a case of... Like, obviously, what was going on on the field was terrible, and and you can't justify any of it. No. But for fans to jump the fence and then start beating up a player over something that happened on the field, in some ways I find that worse, especially when it's a group of people going at one player. Like, if that happened these days, uh, the the world would explode. I mean, everyone would just go nuts about it. Um, terrible incident. Um one of I, I've got a couple of quotes here from uh when they're in the when they're in the uh the the ambulance and they're on the way to the yep. hospital and uh Russell was t- said uh he was snarling at Carstairs and he was saying you started this you bastard now I'm going to finish it <laughs> <laughs> which is just classic a- another awesome quote I've got here um it was uh, because Russell denied kicking car stairs, and he declared at the judiciary, "I wouldn't have wasted the boot leather," <laughs> <laughs> which is just beautiful. That's a beautiful quote.
0: Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, but they they certainly meant it when they went out there for for a bloody Donnybrook. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean to kick him in the head twice, like that's. The, the first one, you can sort of be like, well, accidents happen the second time. It's like, no, nah, mate. Especially when he leaves him lying on the ground. And, yeah. You know, they've got to run oh, out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: After full time.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, another thing that happened is
0: um, someone was arrested
1: mm-hmm.
0: and later acquitted because they believe it might have been the wrong person.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: Stanley Robert Ferris was arrested at El Park during, during the match. Um, he appeared at Cogra Court uh, the Tuesday after the game to answer a charge of having assaulted a policeman Mm -hmm. who was in the execution of his duty when the case was called, Inspector Long informed the magistrate that inquiries had been concluded in regard to the matter defendant had been in the police force, he said and was a respectable citizen it appeared from the investigation that Ferris was helping the police officers who were attempting to eject the rioters from the Oval and he exchanged blows with Constable G who was in plain clothes the defendant is satisfied, that a, is satisfied that a mistake was made and I asked permission to withdraw the case It was then struck out. Oh, wow. That's a lucky man.
1: He really is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably the worst crowd incident that we've seen in Australian Rugby League's history. Um, and it makes you think about what should happen when something happens... like in the crowd or the you know the crowd encroaching on the field of play and how it should be uh, handled by the legal authorities because in this case basically nothing happened like the players didn't get suspended or anything like that not really much happened out of this and we've seen incidents in like the last say 20 years where there's been fines given to clubs and things like that but like, what do you think should happen if there's an off-field incident like this that spills onto the playing surface or affects the game? I think if there's, I mean, the worst we see now is, you know, dickheads throwing shit onto the
0: field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you usually get the, the typical, if they're going to be banned from going to this venue. Mm. I mean, I'd like to know how they actually enforce that.
1: It's got to be almost
0: the, impossible. Given you're going to get what fifteen to you know forty or thousand people coming to a game, mm. how are you going to weed one person out of there for one thing they've done? Exactly. Um, so, but I th- I think what needs to happen in those cases is instead of just banning from the venue, they need to be charged.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely got to, uh, and I think that they've been trying to move towards that, um, charging people that cause problems at at any sporting event. Mm. I've always been a big proponent of if you've got if you can't provide a a venue that is safe for the participants and the fans, that the club should have to cop some sort of penalty, especially when it becomes uh, a very a bad event. And we've seen some bad events before, and I like I wouldn't be against a team losing either competition points in some circumstances or having their for and against affected, like you lose 20 of your for and against points. Um, because And and look, people say that the players shouldn't be affected by what the fans do, and I've always been of the opinion that a club is a whole thing, like it is the fans, it is the players, it is the administrators, Um, and you can't compartmentalise that. It, they are all one thing, and I think that if you're a fan of a club and you knew if you played up that you were going to affect your team's chances that season, you would behave yourself and like the the thing against that has been that people turn up in the opposition team's jerseys and and cause problems. I think that that would naturally be worked out. Like you're not gonna get a hundred people turn up in an opposition team's jersey to try and affect their foreign against by rioting, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Cause I mean at the end I think if you if you go with what you suggest there, which I think is a good idea, and also mm-hmm. lay charges, mm-hmm. then you're a moron. <laughs> you're yeah. a moron if you're gonna try and do that. If you're gonna and yeah, you know, especially if you're gonna to go to the effort of buying another team's jumper.
1: Oh yeah. Like, you're a psycho. If you're you're at that level, you're a psycho. And, look, there are idiots that go to the football, and we've all seen them. You see them almost at every game, where it's somebody that, you know, you can be passionate and enjoy the game and be upset when your team's not going well and stuff like that, but then you see people who, they just can't control their behaviour. And when you get a big group of people like that, and, you know, it might just be the stars aligning that a lot of them turn up on the same day. I do think that it does become the responsibility of the club and not just a venue staff thing or anything like that. And I think that if you're at a club that had uh, many problems over the course of a number of seasons, if they started losing competition points because of that, they'd soon sort the problem out themselves. You know what I mean? Yep. Um,
0: Yeah. I I think for too long we've had... We've had too many officials it's not even in rugby league they've they've sort of taken a softly softly approach because they thought it was just too hard to 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 punish fans but yeah i I think you've absolutely nailed it i think if If a fan knew that they were going to be impacting their own team mm-hmm. plus facing the chance that they could be fined or you know even spent weekend in prison or something like that, yeah um, that would change things pretty dramatically. Uh yeah, there's no there's no need for that
1: that garbage. There really isn't. And like it, it's not a good look when you lose control of your behaviour over a sporting event. Um and it's a weird, it's a fine line too. Like you can go off your head at a sporting event, it's great to see. But oh, when absolutely. you see someone when you see someone that has lost control of themselves, it's it's kind of weird to see that happen. Unless um, you're an OFL fan. Nah, it's just normal for them that, Then yeah. Don't they just blame it on uh, What was it that they had an issue with And they blamed it on something weird I didn't like One of the AFL officials Blamed the makeup of the security Like
0: Yeah, I think he might have actually blamed the race Of the security yeah,
1: They yeah. didn't
0: understand Australian culture or something like that
1: Yeah, which was, I mean Just about <laughs> as gross and racist As you could get Um <laughs> Yeah, I, look, I, don't think, I think we're lucky in rugby league. We don't have too many crowd behaviour issues these days. Um, we don't have a, a huge history of it either, considering how many games have been played over the course of the game's history. But I think every so often when it do pops up, I'm a big proponent of, of coming down hard on it because, um, you know, this has got to be a game that you can take your kids to and not have to worry about them at all. You know, you, you know, you shouldn't have to be thinking, well, I'd love to take my kids to the game, but if it gets a bit rowdy, you don't shouldn't even be thinking that, you know. And so I, I'm very big on you just absolutely hammer crowd violence when it becomes a bit of an issue. Thankfully, it's not an issue right now in rugby league, in, in Australia at least. Um, but yeah, it, it shows that we do have incidents here and there. And I mean, the Earl Park riot is definitely the worst of the bunch.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. Um, I think the only thing
0: that comes that comes close since then would be things like um, the beer can throwing at State of Origin in the 80s. Yep, yep. And some other dickhead who threw a bottle of water at a referee or something a few years back from, you know, at a Bulldogs game.
1: Yeah, there was a, I mean, there was a couple of incidents. I remember there was a uh, a flashbang or something that was set off at oh, a yeah, game. Uh, sorry was it a flare no it was i look i it wasn't a flare because it made a noise because I, I remember watch. i was watching the game on tv it sounded like a big big explosion at the game um and apparently it was a flashbang that's what they said on the news anyway who knows Correct. um but there's that one but the other one that sticks out for me is um the state of origin game where they threw all the their cans and bottles onto the field. That was that was terrible. That was up at uh, Suncorp Stadium, Lang Park.
0: Yeah, I think so, Wally
1: uh, got sin and they yeah. all went crazy. Yeah, there wasn't there a New South Wales player that picked up one of the beers and started drinking it? It's quite possible. I do also uh, know
0: that um, Brad Fittler and Tim Brasher were sitting um, pretty much in the front row of that because they'd played in the schoolboys game before it. Yeah. And it was before they started their first grade careers. <laughs>
1: so, mean what a night for them too to see that happening. yeah,
0: it was the only a few years later that they they were both playing Origin themselves.
1: <laughs> what do you think of uh security at rugby league games these days? um I'll be honest i I think it's a bit lazy,
0: <laughs> oh really, why is that? yeah well, usually what you see is they just. They sit in a chair, a little white plastic chair, and they just look up at the crowd. Yeah. And at the same time, there's been no need for them to do anything more than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the good thing. They, like, you can have a laugh about them being lazy, but it's not because they've not fixed a problem in the crowd. You know what I mean? Um, I, I have to say, when I go to a game, I feel very safe. Uh, especially when they do the bag checks and stuff. I always think that that's a good thing. Um, and, look, I can't remember ever being in a rugby league crowd where I felt like things were turning a little bit bad. Um, and I might have just been lucky in that sense, but no, it's just something that has never occurred at a game that I've been at. Um, it would find... be interested...
0: Sorry, I was going to no. say, do you find that there's a varying range of thoroughness with the security guards when it comes to bag checking. Like you'll get one who'll just touch the bag and go, That's a bag, move on. And there'll be the another one will go, right, pull everything out. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? What's this? And you go, mate,
1: you're not you're not on customs on TV or anything like that, mate. You know, just, <laughs> just ease up. What security, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I remember I went to a state of origin game, I and it was in nineteen ninety-six. And me and my friends had been drinking that day. And we decided on a whim to go to State of Origin in Sydney. Now, this was during Super League that basically the Super League war. And it was, I mean, you could just walk up and get a ticket, State of Origin at the SFS. And we took a couple of beers with us because, you know, we're stupid teenagers. Anyway, we get there, we we have to do a bag check. So we open the bag and the lady at the gate says, what's that? And we go, oh, it's, it's beer. And it's bottles of beer, like it's bottles of it was carton cold because it was the cheap stuff we could afford it and he said oh this is beer and she says what's that and we went it's nothing and she let us through <laughs> so yeah it does vary <laughs> it was almost like she
0: gave you a second chance to not get picked up
1: yeah pretty much pretty much we were uh you know it was only a few bottles too but uh man it's just it's weird what you think is edgy when you're a kid.
0: <laughs> now you do get people who whinge about the fact they can't take an umbrella in. Yeah. They can't take uh, their own sandwiches in, you know,
1: they've they got to pay $300 because they didn't feed their kids for the three days before they went to the game. Exactly. If you're not starving your family before you go to a footy game, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing rugby league wrong. Although I've got to say, last year I took somebody to rugby league games that hadn't been before. And, Got them a beer, and they were shocked at how watered down the beer was and how expensive it was. And I was like, "This is this is rugby league. Like, this is just what it is. Like, you get watered down beer. You gotta spend a fortune to to you know feel like you've had one normal beer at a rugby league match. But I've I've never gone to a game and got uh, drunk. It's just not my sort of thing.
0: Well, it's it's lighter than light beer.
1: Ah, oh, way lighter.
0: Like, yeah." Nan- Nana's, <laughs> Nana's desserts have got more, more kick in them than the beer at yeah. the uh, football ground.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could get a sparkling water that's got more of a kick. <laughs> um, I, I have found here a few quotes at the time from
0: ex-players about okay. what happened with the uh, the, El Park riot. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur Oxford said, the treatment of offending players is becoming farcical. So I think he's he's getting to the point that penalties aren't harsh enough. Yeah. Herb Gilbert said, unless referees get practical support, we might as well give the game another name. Wow. Um, Howard Hallett, the Judiciary Committee is earnest and courageous. Give it the power and responsibility. Chris McKivitt, a player resorts to roughhouse tactics is mad and rugby league is not a madman's game.
1: Oh, yeah. It's and, interesting
0: that Sorry, go on. I was going to say, just one more there. It was
1: Charles Russell said, we must give the Judiciary Committee executive power. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a fair consensus by all of them, isn't it? That there needs to be... Um, I mean, obviously, just having the referee as being the one, the one and only person that referred players and, and was the main, I guess, uh, witness for the judiciary, that wasn't good enough. You know what I find interesting there? Being someone from the uh, the current day,
0: mm. is it not one of the commentators or players from the past mm. blamed the referee, even though the referee probably deserved it?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Hey,
0: whereas now, whew, uh, wouldn't uh, even wouldn't even get to full time. The the ref hating would be on.
1: Yeah, that it's got to be weird for a referee when they they open their phone up and. I mean, they must get reactions from people that they know. And then when they see, if they look at what's happening on social media, um, what that reaction is to.
0: Yeah, it would have been great back in
1: 1928.
0: Mm. Graham Annesley's slideshow presentation.
1: <laughs> Do you reckon he'd be doing it in like, first of all, it would be black and white, okay? And it yeah. would have like a piano playing in the background. <laughs> and it would have the subtitles it'd be great it'd be all like in fast motion movement
0: yeah and yeah yeah all the blackboards around everywhere
1: he'd
0: love it oh he would he'd spend a week on it
1: yeah all the
0: all the roughhousing that went on each one of them he could just highlight and emphasise and just give so much intense focus on
1: and then you he know, could do that with all of the crowd coming onto the field as well. Oh, yeah, jeez. Fence posts and stuff. He, uh, you know one of the things that's also interesting from this, if a player got kicked in the head these days and was knocked out, he, obviously you'd be very worried about them. They'd get the medical care and stuff. Back then they didn't get medical care. No.
0: And back then the player would sometimes get off on the charge of having kicked someone as well, whereas now if you, you kick someone, it could very well end your career, the suspension. Yeah.
1: yeah, I can't remember the last time we've seen someone properly kick a player. I can't remember it in my lifetime. Um, no, I think the closest we'd get is fullbacks leading
0: with their knees or their feet sliding in to make a tackle to someone about to score a try. That's about the yeah. worst of it. Yeah, thank God too. Like, we don't need that in rugby league. No. Um. Yeah, I can't really think of any. Yeah, there's been some
1: nasty deliberate trips. That's about the most, the worst of it. Yeah, I've seen – and stamping is probably – and we don't even see much of that. I think – look, the last stamping incident I can think of was uh, Adam McDougall on Jeff Toofy in the 97 grand final. and Ooh, I tend to yeah. think that, that was – I mean, it looked terrible. I tend to think that was a bit of an accident, to be honest. Yeah, it, it
0: was it, – it's one of those 50-50 ones. Um, yeah. But, jeez. That, that was a nasty one, too you got yeah, busted open, yeah but yeah you, you don't tend to see too much really disgraceful play on the field anymore that would warrant those sort of punishments i think the the last really bad one might have been Danny
1: Williams when he hit Mark O'Neill from behind, yeah, that's the last one I can think of where mm. you kind of uh it went outside of the realm of sport. Yeah. um or or even the 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 sporting confrontation i can't think of any others that really jump out as being when you see it and it's like oh that has nothing to do with anything we've seen on the field today or yeah. or between those two players so yeah um and look that that incident pretty much ended his NRL career um he went over to play in england for a little bit but that was it for his NRL career and and rightfully so. Yeah, no. Hor-
0: horrible. I mean, I was at the game when that happened. Mm. Um, just saw Mark O'Neill. He got hit from behind, punched in the... Just just around from the ear. Mm. Hit the deck and convulsing on the ground. Mm. Uh, bloody crazy. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, we spread a little bit from the crowd behaviour one. I think the... I, I think most of the, the venues now are, are pretty pretty keyed up on on bad behavior as well
1: mm-hmm. so you yep. we
0: don't tend to see much happen and then obviously some grounds are easier to control the crowd but yep. um gold coast mostly because there's no one in it
1: <laughs> <laughs> roosters games
0: there's another one and <laughs> i suppose the other thing too with roosters own games is even if they do start something they're about three kilometers from the field anyway so that's going to take yeah. a while to get there yeah, CG, yeah. <laughs>
1: they
0: gotta limber up. Yeah, it right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: takes
0: a fair while just to get out of the ground there.
1: Um uh, yeah, I, can so... talk, I can talk from experience if you're in that upper tier at Parramatta Stadium, man, you gotta walk down them steps so carefully so you don't fall down them. You've calmed down by the time you got to the concourse area.
0: <laughs> See that that's tactics that is. Yeah. It's that's all smart. planned. <laughs> Absolutely it is. Um, Leichhardt, I suppose that the issue you've got there is you've got to run past the toilet and the fumes out of there would instantly either make you pass
1: out True, It would definitely distract you from being angry Yeah, and you don't want to take on that fence either You're definitely getting tetanus from that fence, you know
0: <laughs> you, You'll end up with white ants in your hand Yeah <laughs> uh, So We could probably go off I mean, obviously Brookvale's got their own security measure there. You know, they've got asbestos in the ground, so that yes, helps.
1: they just sprinkled it around the playing field. That was a pretty interesting way to sort it out. Um. Effective? <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah. It kept them away. Um, yeah. Penrith has cats. I don't know. You know, there's some people who are allergic to cats. We, You know what we do? We release a cat every so often onto the field or a large inflatable ball. Yeah, yeah we, well. you know, And when people are on the field, a large inflatable ball man goodbye leg
0: (laughs) the cat though is an interesting one because it's kind of a um, it's just a subtle reminder and and just trying to invoke a bit of fear into the crowd just remember we've still got this thing here (laughs)
1: let the cat go release the cat Yeah, (laughs) that's as scary as the panthers get to release the cat
0: (laughs) especially at the moment yeah <laughs>
1: It's not a real panther It's like release the cat Jeez Yeah
0: we just got a cat That'll do Oh jeez What other security measures Could, could venues bring in To, to handle crowd control
1: um, I'd like a Like a condor To swoop <laughs> down on fans Every so often Imagine that Just keep you honest
0: <laughs> That'll keep your eye on the game That's
1: for sure Yeah how about um, how about a sniper on the roof? Yeah, we could do that, yeah. You would only do but, that in stadiums where you've got a good roof, though.
0: Yeah. But you also need him to just make sure he's got that red tracer dot going around as well so people <laughs> can see it and they go,
1: oh, shit, behave. So you only need him at a couple of games and then you just get someone with a laser pointer, just laser pointing <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and just just a... keep, keep them all in line.
0: That would work. That would yeah. work perfectly fine. Um, What about water cannons?
1: Yeah, I'd love to use the water cannon down in Canberra, hey? Where it's freezing cold. Just give everyone hypothermia. They come out and just freeze like a big
0: frozen wave.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It'd be like when uh, Mr. Freeze uses his Freeze cannon against Batman. Or
0: or Frozone. Is it Frozone from from The Incredibles? Remember, I'm a parent, so I watch kids' movies now.
1: Uh, I can't remember, to be honest with you. I've only seen The Incredibles once. There you go. There's two two of them out now. Yeah. All right. Was the second one good?
0: Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, the first one was good. Um, I like the fact they used Mark Gaznier as a model for the main character.
1: Mm-hmm. Mark um, I so had was... I've got some lookalikes of that, too. Uh, I think I did the main character... And Michael Wayman. Ooh, that's actually a pretty good one from memory. Yeah, that's the one that I did from memory.
0: Um, I, I went with Gazney because um, they both have
1: hair. They both have hair. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, Mark Gazney and Roger Ramjet. Yeah, that that's. Oh, even Brent Tate could probably work there. Yeah, Brent. I had Brent Tate. You know who had Brent Tate and the Wicked Witch of the West? <laughs> <laughs> My lookalikes are so good. But yeah, we can protect with a knighting board. That thing <laughs> at his back. <laughs>
0: oh shit! Oh boy. Um, so yeah, that was that was the El Park Riot. Um, crazy scenes. There's been a lot of other games where there's been a lot more violence on the field, mm-hmm. and. Um, somewhere the referee actually got fed up with what was going on and just left the game. And just It was just abandoned. I think there was one game between New South Wales and England on a tour when yeah. the Lions came over here, and that happened. It was so violent. He just got fed up and left. Man. Just left them on the field fighting. That's incredible. And after about five or ten minutes of blue, and they
1: just looked around and went,
0: where's the ref? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it so good that,
1: <laughs> it's so good that Rugby League changed from that That because there's been a couple of eras where it turned into a thuggish game where it was like we had the sport but then it was like well if we go and we just bash the opponent and that's kind of how you want to win and it's it's good that we've gotten well away from that now
0: i think it's it's always worth um being reminded of these things too because especially with the media today Mm -hmm. they tend to um, over-exaggerate the severity of some things that happen and how severe yeah. they really are. Yeah. Um, so I remember reading articles at the time about that um, that incident where a referee got hit with a bottle of water, I think it was, several years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about appalling crowd behaviour. And I was like, it's not even close to appalling. It's bad behaviour. But by yeah. God, we've had worse. And the El Park ride is, I mean, that's appalling. You don't get much worse than that. Yeah. I mean, a and a man that, wandering around with an axe, for
1: fuck's sake. That's, that's insane. That's so crazy. <laughs> um, Man, when your first reaction is to go and get your axe, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but there's also a big difference between one idiot and a crowd going off. Like, a crowd going off is very scary when mm. you've got one idiot. And one idiot can caused some problems some real problems but when you got one idiot causing a problem that's a that's a big difference you know last year when we had that person uh at the manly seagulls game remember they were um they got into a player's face that i think he'd been sent from the field or something do you remember that incident? oh
0: yes yes i do yeah look like he was yeah. either getting in their face or trying to get a photo of them or some weird thing
1: yeah and it was look at it it wasn't and he said he'd had a couple and it wasn't a smart thing for him to do but the media definitely blew that up into something and that guy copped Oh, and I'm not making an excuse for him but he copped a lot of grief and when I watched the full video back I was like well that isn't what I was hearing from the media about this what had occurred it was very uh it was very skewed what the media was saying so yeah it's you've got to be careful when you listen to what the media says about uh, any incident about anything these days. It's kind of sad that that's the case, but, you know. It's because they want a big story every time, not just to report the news. Yeah. You know, man yells at footy player, doesn't sell newspapers. <laughs> no. The man attacks. Yeah. It's viciously different. attacks, held back by security. It's like then you watch the video and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, he He wobbled. In the
0: direction of a player with his phone out.
1: (laughs) And that was it. It was was kind of silly, that whole thing.
0: It was, it was. So, yeah, thankfully things have come a long way. Everyone's a lot more civil, a lot more uh, mature now. The Mm. other thing that's gone backwards has been the the journalism. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Everything else has gone forward, player behaviour, crowd behaviour, crowd control. Um, quality of games, quality of play, everything like that. The whole game's gone forward in leaps and bounds, but reporting of the game's gone backwards. In leaps and bounds. In leaps and bounds. That's <laughs> they, they don't even use words like hooting anymore. Nah, get back to hooting. It's a disgrace. I reckon. I will, I will absolutely love it if a journo, a rugby league journal uses the term hooting at any time in a match report this year.
1: Other than myself, because I'll I'll do it. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of peer pressure. Always have been. <laughs> Maybe we need to apply peer pressure to somebody to get hooting back on the radar. Which journal do you reckon
0: might be the one most likely to bring hooting back into the rugby league vernacular?
1: Look, I, I reckon in a roundabout way, we we get into the year of Paul Kent, and we say, "Listen, you tell Crawley hooting." <laughs> It's the it's the new, I don't know, whatever, whatever the old thing was. Yeah. Crawley would do it if Paul Kent told him to.
0: That's true, that's true. So I thinking maybe Buzz because he'd be old enough to remember when Hooting was last used as a reference. <laughs> Probably could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably used in his first match report.
1: Yeah. It makes that you wonder, cool. like, where some of the terms that we used to describe crowd behaviours and things like that. Because if you think about it, right, describing crowd behaviours in written form that was to be consumed almost immediately or within the next couple of days, it, by the time that when this Earl Park riot was on, that sort of thing hadn't been going for that long. Like, modern print media hadn't been going for a long time. And so they were still making up words to describe crowds and their behaviour.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Sporting crowds, any um, Yeah. But they, they used to just love hooting. Another term that you don't see anymore that used to be used to describe a bit of playing rugby league was dribbling.
1: Yeah, and now you described that uh to me because it was the way that they played, like they were kicking at the ball and stuff like that, because you could obviously strike in the play of the ball.
0: Yeah. So it was basically kicking the ball ahead. So you're just doing, like pretty much like you're dribbling a soccer ball. Mm. Because the, could...
1: the ball was like not, I mean, it wasn't, now we've got a regulation ball size because they were made of leather and stuff. They were a little bit easier to control than the current ball is. In terms right. of dribbling along the ground, I mean.
0: Yeah. So, and it was also meant that because no one actually held the ball, mm. the defenders couldn't tackle anyone. And obviously, it's a bit risky to dive on a ball that's been kicked by three or four players at the same time, yeah, um because obviously one of those players could fall into any time so it was a, it was seen as a method to make meters cheaply, i guess mm-hmm. I I'm, I'll have to look into whether it was outlawed to try and improve the game or whether it just got phased out because you know the the athletes changed and the way the game was played changed.
1: Yeah, and I mean it would it would take like if you went in with that tactic and you just come up against a committed fullback that that that's that tactic gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we've covered a fair bit of random stuff there. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that we talked about the the right because uh, it's I think it's a forgotten piece of rugby league's history, probably because the media kind of glossed over it a little bit at the time. Um, so it's cool to be able to talk about that and its context in the modern day.
0: Absolutely. Um, and how differently it was handled.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just, 100%. To think that
0: none of the officials or players were
1: blamed for any of the crowd behavior, mm. they just blamed the crowd. And no knee jerk reactions by uh, administrators.
0: No, no, really. They, they tried to take the most um, lax. Um, action they probably could I guess yeah. Given that um, You know in the 10 years preceding that They'd, they'd obviously got it wrong With Duncan Thompson They'd mm-hmm. got it really wrong with Newcastle and Dan Davies
1: mm-hmm.
0: So they kind of thought We we don't want to go too hard again <laughs> yeah We're just getting over Those last two debacles So that may have been in the back of their minds As to why they went the way they did there It seems like it eh? Certainly does Now, one thing I was just going to check there, too, was whether or how many more games that referee actually um, officiated in.
1: And you were right about the park. It is an industrial estate now. Oh, there we go. So,
0: yeah. Um, Yeah, Mick Brannigan. That was his last ever game in the New South Wales Rugby League. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> he officiated... Um, he was a first-grade referee in 1926 and 1927. Mm-hmm. The game in 1928 was the only first-grade game he did for the year. Mm-hmm. And i I've only going to be out for two more games after that. And they were um, Illawarra playing Northwest New South Wales and mm-hmm. Western Suburbs playing Illawarra first. And that was both, uh, you know, after that Earl Park riot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... He was kind of, I guess, quietly phased out because yeah. those two games were in 1929 and that
1: was it for him. Yeah, no wonder. It uh, sounds like he didn't do a great job that day. No. Um, and so George
0: didn't have a very good record with him at Earl Park either. The only time since George won at Earl Park with him as a referee was at the in the Earl Park riot. Oh, really? <laughs> They'd lost the, the two games prior to that. Wow,
1: and that was 92 years ago. There
0: you go. Come How a long way. It? Yeah. So there we are, people. A little bit of history, a little
1: bit of random chat. Got be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting back on the wagon now. Uh, the rugby league season's fast approaching, so we're going to try and get yeah, more podcasts to listen to before the season gets underway, and uh, we'll be off and racing then.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, make sure you get onto Twitter, and you can follow us on there. Follow the podcast on there at Fergo Freak Pod. Check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. Um, you yeah, know, get involved with some discussion on there. You can, you can do it on YouTube. You can do it on
1: Twitter with us. Um, send us an email: podcast yeah. at leaguefreak dot com. Yeah, exactly. And we're on the lookout for a sponsor this year. Uh, we'll be willing to do live feeds to start the podcast and end the podcast. So if you, if you want to uh, sponsor the podcast or you know somebody that's got a, a business that would like to get involved, just get in touch at podcast.leaguefreak.com and uh, yeah, get talking to us about it. Absolutely. And also we've got our own website
0: for the podcast.
1: Yes, com. And how's so, that come along? You've got it all finished and set up and nice and shiny? Yeah, yeah, it's all pretty much done. Uh, there's a little bit of updating the needs done in terms of guests and stuff like that. But you can see all of the places you can listen to the podcast there. Uh, you can see the guests we've had. I normally post the uh, history uh episodes that we've got done so you can go and have a look at all the history episodes just in one place because i think that's pretty handy to have and uh yeah some links and things like that so you check it out see what you think about it give us some feedback
0: yeah we just want feedback
1: tell <laughs> us you love <laughs> us
0: yeah <laughs> um so yeah thanks thanks for tuning everyone and uh we'll catch you next time